You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The world is filled with many questions, such as, did giants exist? What is junk DNA? Does it mean that you're trash? Do you ever wonder if aliens have underwater bases in our oceans, and that's why there are so many UFO sightings off the coasts of islands all over the world? How serious even is climate change, and when should we start building our rafts? Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Brenna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore the answers to these questions and many, many more in our new podcast, Mystery of Everything, available everywhere you get your podcasts. Hello, this is Chris. And I'm Angie. We just wanted to provide a quick update uh, for this episode. We recorded the Vaquita Porpoise and River Dolphin episode in late October, and then a week later... In the conservation story that we tell you over the next hour, we talk a lot about how they are working in the Gulf of California to save this species, the vaquita porpoise specifically. Right. The species went from a population of 60 two years ago down to 30 this year. Right. And so many conservationists and scientists internationally decided they need to take matters into their own hands right. for sure to try to help save the vaquita porpoise. Right. And so their goal was to use ocean pens to capture or at least attempt to capture the remaining 30 in an attempt to save them. My friend Jonathan, who's at the UF Vet School, knows some people on that project and he talked a little bit about that and what's going on with them and how devastated people are. Long story short, they captured a female, they brought her into one of these ocean pens, and she died. She stressed out and died, and this is why porpoises aren't good in captivity. So I just want to let you know we are aware. They, they've completely shut the project down for now. They may reattempt in the spring, uh, in a few months, but they're trying to evaluate what they're doing, and I think we may just be witnessing the end of this this population. They just may end up going extinct. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah. As my hope, though, is maybe there will be a miracle. Yeah. You never know. Or that at least the worst case scenario is that as uh, researchers and scientists and conservationists, we can learn from some of the issues that have happened with vaquita, which you'll hear more about in the episode. Right. If we can learn from that and do better because there's lots of other species right. out there that need our help. Right. And, you know, it, it, they're not out yet, but no, no, they no. may be. They may be. So, so listen, you know, learn they're a great species and share. Sure. And we know, touch with, with people that you know. Yeah. We touch on, uh, the, uh, river dolphins too, which a lot of those, um, species are having some issues. And so you're going to learn a lot of interesting facts yeah, and they're, hopefully they're fall in love with the pink river dolphin and also the vaquita. So just keep following us on our website, allcreaturespod.com, and we'll keep you updated on what we know about the vaquita and enjoy the episode. Thank you. Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet. Okay, so, the river dolphin, the vaquita. Let's talk about cetaceans today. Yes, this is a really cool group of um, aquatic mammals. What can they teach us? Each female, this is great, Chris. It's been documented that females have different mothering styles. Hmm. Okay, some are very protective. Yeah. While some are more relaxed in letting their calves explore. Many species are in crisis and need your help. From what they can tell, the counts in um, two, six, 2016 alone um, were cut in half. So right. there was about 60, now there's about 30. Right. Basically, earlier this year in 2017, the Mexican government, bless their hearts. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. Welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Angie. Angie, I'm fired up. Uh-oh. I'm really fired up. I'm good in a good way. Should I put a seatbelt on you? Yes, or? please. Please. <laughs> I am really fired up this morning. And I really wanted to record last night, but I knew I didn't need to sleep on my thoughts. You should always give it a good 12-hour grace period. Yeah. So, 
Yesterday afternoon, I sat in on a seminar. Our good friend Charlotte, she gave a great seminar on the Earth's sixth mass extinction mm -hmm. to a group of scientists, of all people. So it was really a group that needs to hear this. You know, a lot of animal scientists, and, and I'd say a lot of them were... Physiologists. Really, right, yeah. livestock, you know, kind of those those folks. The room was probably half to three-quarters South American scientists. Mm -hmm. So I felt like they really needed to get this message because that is obviously a hot spot. Because today we're going to talk about the vaquita porpoise and river dolphins, mm -hmm. which both are Central and South America, and, and then the river dolphins in Asia... But, again, a hotspot. You know, we talk about conservation hotspot. Sure, there's a lot of wildlife ecological diversity right. In, right. in the Amazon basin, for right. sure. Charlotte did an awesome job presenting the, the evidence and the data. And then we had a really good, I'd say, 20, 30-minute discussion. And it, to, to back up a little bit, in science, as scientists, debate is good. Debate is normal and healthy. It, that's what we do, right? We debate about a lot of stuff. And then we come to consensus. Right. We look at the facts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sometimes feelings get a little bit involved. They do. But we try to use facts. Right. And we try to be logical mm -hmm. in our arguments. So In evidence. In evidence. Right. Ev Evidence-based arguments is, is everything that, that we're taught mm -hmm. as scientists. And so like when you hear a little bit of debate in climate change, that's good and healthy, but when 90% of climate scientists come in and say, Hey, this is a problem. This is an issue. You got to take notice. And that is a, almost, that's a pretty much a consensus. Correct. You know, and it was like renaming Pluto to a, to a small planet or whatever that made the news. Right. It hurt a lot of our feelings because yeah. we grew up with Pluto, yeah. but the, the data kept showing time and time and time again, that it was not a, a true full planet. planet. Yeah. And I don't even think that was like, I don't even know what the consensus was. It was a majority, mm -hmm. but it wasn't an overwhelming majority to rename Pluto as, as a planetoid or whatever. So we had a very good discussion on this yesterday, and, and I was very interested. You know, I'm taking notes furiously. But it got a little, not, yeah, I wouldn't say heated, but a little emotional because I, I, there's a scientist in that room that I respect very well. I have followed his work for 20 years. I look up to him as a mentor, and he... Is very, very intelligent, very well respected around the world. Probably one of the top reproductive scientists in the world. Long story short, he was talking about first, <clears throat> he does, he see, he thinks humans will survive just fine in this sixth mass extinction. He's like, we're part of the nature. We're part of the environment. We will survive no matter what. And I disagree with that statement because one of the things, and we didn't get to have time to get into all of this, and it's probably something that like we should go, you know, after work and sit around a, a, sure, a table, sure, have a beer or coffee, and, yeah, and just and talk about these ideas because that's what we like to do as geeks. Totally, like what we love to do. But you know, the reason I think that's a wrong view to take as far as humans is not only are we interrupting the the circle of life and the tree of life as resources start to become limited. You know, I brought up the, the point like desertification is, oh, a, sure. is a known phenomenon in parts of Africa. Well, how are we going to feed this planet? How are right. we going to feed the people? And then there's disease. And we're obviously focusing on this podcast on wildlife. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't think people are not susceptible to some extinction possibilities, right. too, or at least suffering. Right. And there's right. already a lot of human suffering. Right. Right. And as the population grows. And that's what his bottom line was. We have too many people, which I agree with. Of course. I think and we that's all why agree we're straining. The resources, and one of the things that Charlotte said yesterday, which I hadn't heard before, but it was a great factoid, was we're using about 1.6 of the Earth's resources at the rate right now. So we need one, we almost need two Earths to support what we're using. What we're taking yeah, out. And what we're taking out to be sustainable. So his first point about humans will survive just fine, I, I disagree with because I think as resources get limited, our military here in the United States, they have identified climate change as a major threat. Mm -hmm. And and the question is why? Why would they? Why would the military? You know, even Be involved. though our even though our government doesn't, or some political leaders in our country don't see it as a threat, when the the U.S. military says this is a huge threat to uh, our country. Well, yeah, I think the um, just today the government stated an issue backing up climate change. Right now, of course, that probably doesn't represent certain people yeah, in the government. Our, our wonderful EPA head right now is but just a joke. The consensus is right. they are moving forward, even probably with the heads that are being butted right. against. They're still saying, no, 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 right. this is an issue. Right. And, and I don't want to turn this, this particular podcast into 
a political discussion. Are you sure? I know. No, 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 no. I don't. I don't. And I think, you know, once we start doing the weekly... Because I don't know if I've had enough coffee for that, Chris, to be honest. No, just And I know you kidding. and I want, you know, maybe by the time this one launches that we'll have our weekly kind of news show. Sure. Just us talking politics and stuff about conservation and the, the stuff with that. We'll stick this to, because we do want to get to the river dolphins and, and the vaquitas. Yes, but their behavior is amazing. It is. It, so just quickly... You know, when the U.S. military sees it as a threat, I see it as, as resources get limited, humans are going to fight for it, right? That's that's a big thing. It's already happening. The second thing he that really got me fired up, and this one is where I really spoke up, was he stated, the scientist stated that he didn't feel we had a moral obligation to, Ouch. to save endangered species. He says, I want to, personally, sure. I okay. want to, but he thinks as a species, we don't have a moral obligation and that's what got me fired up because I was like, how do you, you know, and I used elephants, obviously, as my example. And I said, how do you reason with an animal that's taken 50 million years to evolve to where they are today and wipe them out in 100? Right. How do we not have as a moral obligation with our intelligence? Well, as I say, we claim right. intelligence and emotion mm-hmm. and all of these, this, this greatness right. to not use that greatness and that intelligence to help animals. Right. And it's one thing to maybe not help them, but we're destroying them. Right. It's our fault. It's Correct. our It's not a natural. I mean, no, it's not I natural. guess his view is it is natural because we are part of the natural environment. Right, because we're we dominant. It, mm-hmm. And my bottom line is, yeah, the Earth's going to survive. Of the course. Earth will survive. Yes. Mass, it's, it's survived five mass extinctions. It will survive the six. And when there's a seventh and an eighth and a ninth, then something else will replace it. It's just, will we survive as a species, Homo sapiens? And I don't think we will well, and is if that the we his- continue at this rate. Right. And is that the history you want to leave behind? Exactly. When you're yeah. a conscious, cognitive yeah. being. That, I don't know. Anyways, I had to get that off my chest because I was so fired up about it. And I Good was, morning, listeners. I know. I was about to like, call you on the phone and say, tomorrow we're going to da 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 And then I was like, no, just hold uh, off. Um, and then just deal with my kids last night. So busy. The... Vaquita and river dolphins. Yes. So, Chris, what are we talking about today? <laughs> that's an important issue. It, it is. is. It is. And that's what, we, you know, and, and this is the point of our podcast is to get people working together, develop this this community of learners that we like to, to say in education and this community of activists. And I think it's important for, we always talk about in, um, in academia, we need to, we always continue our education right. too. It right. doesn't stop one day, right. just when you graduate, it doesn't stop once you start teaching, it's it's always evolving, mm-hmm. and talks like this mm-hmm. help us stay fired up and stay right. sharp, and um, keep us keep criti- fighting, yeah. fighting and, and thinking critical too. Right. Like, because I, I, I guess the way that I, I always think about these things is like, wow, how could I sit down with that gentleman yeah. and get him to see my points yeah. or change his mind, or maybe he'll change my mind. Yeah. I don't know, but that's when you, when you know, when you, when you're a critical thinker, it's, it's, uh, it can be fun. It is. It is. It's challenging and, and frustrating. Yeah. It is frustrating because you're like, you want to strangle people. Not him. I mean, I love him. But certain people, you know, it was like, uh, anyways, politics. Okay. So the river dolphin, the vaquita. Let's talk about cetaceans today. Yes. This is a really cool group of um, aquatic mammals. Mm-hmm. And you missed it. I said it. I said it correctly. You did. Cetaceans. Cetaceans. It's a big word for me. It is a big word. It is. um, But yeah, so it's the whales, dolphins, and porpoises. Right. That's the the group. But today we wanted to focus on the river dolphin Mm -hmm. mostly. And then there's some freshwater species and then some that go both fresh and salt water. But then the uh, vaquita is an oceanic yeah, porpoise. Porpoise. So a little bit of the yin and the yang today. Right, and it's kind of, you know, because you and I, when we decided to do two, because I know we're trying to focus on one species and we've been talking about others that are related, but you were like, should we just focus on one dolphin or two or what, whale? And, you know, let's just do this. This is, and I think this gives us a good uh, comparison of not only marine mammals versus a freshwater mammal, which is completely unique. Correct. And then it gives us a difference between porpoises and dolphins. What's the difference there? So I think I think this is a fun thing to talk about. It was fun to research. And it was. And I think the underlying bottom line, though, is that both of these uh, groups of mammals are in peril. Right. Yeah, very much so. And the vaquita, I think the reason we wanted to focus on that, and there's not a lot known about them. You know, we're going to cover as much as we can. But there's only 30 left. Right. So, again, a critical endangered species 
So we're highlighting Let's them. Let's repeat that. There are only 30, 30 three zero left. left. Yeah, that we know of. That it could be less than that. It could be more, but it's a, they're in a pretty concentrated area in the Gulf of California. Well, and they're being highly watched. They've been yeah. um, trying to either increase numbers or not decrease numbers really critically for five years. Right. And the Mexican uh, government has been working with international scientists, mm-hmm. especially in the States and in South America, trying to figure out how to help these guys and, and implementing. Really gotta applaud the Mexican government. Too Absolutely. For the, the oh, steps they have taken. They have really stepped. Oh, in. they, they, they hit the ground running right. and hit it really hard. And so kudos our, to them. Mm-hmm, yeah. And our, and our, we're, and are smart enough to see within one year, you know, within a, Oh, one year they were losing this battle, and so now they're now they're calling in all the troops. Right, right, and it's it's a global effort. It's definitely a global right. effort to help save these guys, and right. so it's hopefully hopefully going to be a feel good story. Right, right, and you know, in, ten in years end. from now, yeah, mm-hmm. in the end, the river dolphins are are just I think an amazing group to study too, because you have river dolphins in the Amazon, mm-hmm. which is you know very remote region on Earth, mm-hmm. and they estimate there's maybe thirteen thousand population, mm-hmm. which is, is is pretty big and healthy. You know, yeah, doing it's not okay. Bad. They're doing okay. They're vulnerable, mm-hmm. but they're doing okay. Then you have the Indian or Ganges river dolphin, which is not doing as well. No, yeah, they're a little, they're classified as endangered. And there's about two to three thousand of them, and left. they well, and there's lots of reasons for mm-hmm. that. But they live in a very populous, very India is like I don't even know if it surpassed China yet, but Indian population has is, is, has boomed over the last couple decades. Now the sad story of today, you know, play some sad music, which is very sad, is the Chinese or Yangtze River dolphin is classified as extinct, functionally extinct. Yes, or the Bali, I think it's the B A H L I dolphin is extinct. The I did see a report earlier this year that they might have sighted some of small pod in the very remote regions, but again, that hasn't been confirmed. So they pretty much assume that that they're extinct. So a, a species that that that's long long gone. Now the vaquita, right? This is the ocean porpoise. Right, the porpoise in the Gulf of California. What has knocked them down is they they weren't being purposely hunted or poached. But fishermen in the area using gill nets have caught these porpoises and they've drowned. So that is what really has decimated the population. And what the Mexican government has done is they first restricted gill net use. Then they just outright banned it a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah, they like like I mentioned earlier, they really stepped up to the plate. Right. They tried something as far as restricting it. Mm-hmm. That wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And quickly they just you know put the hammer down and said no, no more gill nets. Mm-hmm. And it's illegal. But good old human beings, there has been a lot of poaching because the poachers are going after this fish called the totoboa. Totoboa, yeah. Totoboa. And their bladders can fetch $20,000 per bladder on the black market for Chinese herbal medicine. So here we go again. The So consequently, these fishermen are out there using gill nets to catch these fish and the porpoises are still getting caught. And right, dying. they're kind of the byproduct. Right, so that is why it's still a fight. It's, it's still a big fight uh, down that that region of the world. So the river dolphins, what their pressures are, and I'm sure we'll get a little bit more into this. Is obviously is is again a similar theme: habitat fragmentation, damming up rivers. So really, the Yangtze River dolphin, what drove them to extinction, was dams. Sure. So then, fragmenting their population, right. restricting it. Where they couldn't go, then you you know again we talked about genetic diversity last episode, so you get less genetic diversity, less survival in the wild, less feed food sources, mm-hmm. and then pollution. Pollution's been a big one. That yeah. that is what wiped out a lot of them in China. Well, and I think it brings to an interesting point of these river dolphins, um, especially ones that are um, in some of the freshwater systems, mm-hmm. is they're really indicators with the, as far as pollution goes of river health. Right. Yeah. And so if they're overall state of health is bad and not flourishing it's also kind of trickle down right. downhill to other animal other species marine, right. uh, other fish species and then the people that eat those the locals that need those and a lot of these communities there's mining with mercury pollution mm-hmm. and um, some organochlorides and right. there's just there's different there's different things that they're struggling against so the river ecosystems are 
really messed up. Yes, and de- so, definitely in certain so parts. Let me go back to my friendly scientist yesterday and say, Mike, look at this. Like, look at this. <laughs> Not only do we have this great garbage patch in the Pacific. I wish the listeners could see your face oh, right now. Oh, my God. But it's like, look at the rivers. <laughs> no, I know. They're the health they're of dying. the planet. They're it, dying. It's so... It's amazing to me because it, I think it's it's just it's not only selfish as a species, but it's very narrow minded that I don't see how it's not going to have an effect on on Homo sapiens. I just don't. Right. So I'm scared for migrants. It is. I mean, yeah. it, it it is having effect on it people is. already. It is. You're right. You're right. It is. It is That's very very true. So you're right. So this is a great bioindicator species. I mean, that was the next thing I was going to talk about. So water quality is is really and quantity yes. is down and. Climate change is having an effect, obviously. Mm-hmm. One of the things, and, and maybe when we really get into another marine species, we'll talk a little bit about acidification, like the corals. That's what's really devastating coral reefs is the oceans getting more acidic. Right. As the planet warms up, as the ice shelves and all those things, uh, fresh water gets more dumped in the ocean, blah, blah, blah. You get more acidification, so that's having a negative effect on that. So when you're in New Zealand, you're going to go see the the Great Barrier Reef before it's gone? I know. I or it's was, already partially gone, Yeah, right? it's already partially gone. And luckily, I dove the, the Barrier Reef like 15 years ago oh, when I was in Australia. Wow, but cool. Yeah, I didn't know go, that. I'm going to go see the last little piece of it and yeah. take a picture. You know, it's Yeah, it's really horrible that, that that's going on. One thing I think... We should kind of get early on too. Is what's the difference between a dolphin and a porpoise? We did this with frogs and toads and learned a little toads bit. Toads pee on you, <laughs> so we know that. So if you haven't heard that episode, please go listen to that episode. The differences between dolphins and porpoises. So it was a little interesting to kind of do some research. I knew a little bit different. So. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I was just I didn't know if it was terminology right. or where they lived. Uh, so yeah, it was really interesting to right. find out. That there really isn't a huge difference. No, no, not a lot. It's like basically, you know, animal dorks and yeah. we're not, not in, more That's like, us. is it, a, yeah, that is us. <laughs> but uh, like zoologists and mm-hmm. the, people, the people that name the different right. um, species, the species and, right. that have very, very fine um, categories of what right. separates a dolphin versus a porpoise. Right. So somebody with a trained eye might not necessarily even no, know right. visually by just looking at yeah, them. Yeah, one of the things I, I was very surprised about porpoises, I, th- I thought they were as numerous as dolphins. And very, there's only six species of porpoise. Oh, I didn't know that. And like okay. over 30 species of dolphins. Right so on. very few porpoises compared to dolphins. Porpoises, and, and we'll get this with the vaquita, maybe when we get to the conservation efforts. Don't stay in captivity, or there's been some research on them. A couple captive populations, but they tend to die in captivity. They don't do well. They they get stressed very easily. The dolphins have longer beaks. Okay, so longer. So, you know, think of Flipper, which is, I don't even know if anybody knows who Flipper is anymore. Wow, you just really dated yourself. I, it was before I was born was when <laughs> Flipper, but, it, you know, reruns. <laughs> no, I, I, I saw reruns, movie in, like, too. 2000s? I don't know, Flipper. So yeah. there was <laughs> a dolphin. Long beaks. The dolphins have cone-shaped teeth, so yeah, porpoises the, have like a small mouth. Mm-hmm. I believe it's the teeth is one of the biggest Big things, right? Biggest difference. So dolph or porpoises have spade-shaped teeth. the The fins, the dorsal fins, are a little bit different. Dolphins are skinnier. Oh, I would yeah. not have guessed yeah. that. So porpoises are a little portly, portly oh. porpoise. Okay, so that's <laughs> a good way to say remember that it. Times. Yeah. <laughs> and dolphins are more social. So I know. You're excited to get to behavior, so we will definitely get there. I think we picked two great species to kind of talk the difference between porpoises and dolphins. Sure. And then freshwater versus, you know, the, the marine mammals. Yeah, well, the, and the physiology dork in me was having a lot of fun researching, right. like, how can they survive. be in, how can they survive in salt water and, in, and or freshwater, right. and what is the differences? So it's pretty... Yeah, it's almost like the bull shark. The one shark I don't like. Oh. <laughs> I'm scared to death of bull sharks. <laughs> like great whites, yeah. If I saw a great white, I would just die of a heart attack right sure. there. You know, I always wonder, because I grew up on the beaches of California. Yeah. I always wonder how many... Did how, you surf? Yeah. And I'm okay. and I'm wondering how close I came to a great white in my life that I didn't know about. Yeah. You know. Um, don't. But you have to remember, it's more scared of you than you I know. Are I know. And I'm not scared of sharks. Like I, you know, the, the data, I just read something yesterday, like the data... The United States has more shark attacks than anywhere else on Earth, but the death rate's like 0.6 people. Yeah, I think you're way more likely to die from a kick of a cow, or, yeah. or a bite from a dog, or, or bee sting, or yeah. something. Yeah. So I mean, sh- but bull sharks are just 
They're just scared. Yeah, because they go up rivers. So I'm like, oh, you know, I'm swimming, and all of a sudden I see a dorsal fin. I'm going to die. And so, but correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the ability to go from the fresh water to the salt Mm -hmm. or salt to fresh, uh, a lot of it has to do with how they process the salt in their kidneys. Right. I think so. And the differences in their kidneys of being able to to deal with that um, high salinity basis. Now, I will say I am a child of the 70s, so Jaws has ruined me for sharks. I know Jaws has I'm done I'm the more same arm. over here. Yeah. Yes, Jaws. I actually did a, a senior thesis in college on the basically the, the negative impacts that Jaws, the has, Jaws had. has had on, you know, on sharks. pop media or whatnot yeah. on sharks. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think Shark Week's been awesome, like dispelling some I, of that I think stuff. in the past 20 years, there's been a lot, a, a bigger push to educate people right. or I, I use a shark tracker and I follow, right. I follow Mary yeah. and her, you know. Is she uh, the one that, the great white that's like mm-hmm. off Florida? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's coming to she the She goes Gulf. from Florida, New England. Right, and, yeah, right. Yeah, she's great. So yeah, sharks are awesome. I mean, anyways, yeah, bull sharks have all the one. The uh, Vaquita is in the Gulf of California at the tip of, so really the, the tip of the Baja Peninsula in, in Mexico proper. So that was their habitat. Mm-hmm. They didn't really go outside of that. Okay. They didn't go out to the, the, the great big waters. Pacific Ocean. Right. Yeah. And they, they really stay in shallow water. This part of the, the Gulf is, is pretty shallow. So they don't, they don't go into anything really deep. The river dolphins kind of switching gears going from ocean to river wide, huge range, especially in Amazon. So they pretty much cover the entire Amazon River, up all the tributaries. Lots of tributaries. Oh, yeah, it's ama- I mean, it's a really cool species. Well, if you think about it from an evolutionary point, which I know you're dying to get into evolution. Yeah, I'm almost which there. I know. <laughs> I'm almost there. But uh, it's really interesting that most likely the oceanic dolphins went into the rivers mm-hmm. f- to find new sources and you know, evolved food, right. to live there and do well there to find new food and get rid of the ocean competition. Right, right. And they probably for, you know, you probably, you know, the numbers are probably for tens of thousands of years. Yeah. They did great. Yeah. And then now in a matter not, of hundred years with the so industrial revolution yeah. and tech, not, you know, the technological revolution that they're not doing great. Right. And they have nowhere to go. I mean, right. that's, I mean, at least in the ocean, I feel like they've seen behavioral patterns with a lot of the marine mammals where they kind of will, can move. Or ev- try to evade, evade humans. Ev- yeah. yeah, evade humans and whatnot. But th- there's just not enough space in these rivers. And now, right. like you said, we're, we're damming them up. Right, right. Yeah, and it's, you know, the ones in South America, there's a really cool population, too, that is above a waterfall. So there's a waterfall barrier. Oh, okay. So how many thousands of years has that species been isolated mm-hmm. so it's its own separate species mm-hmm. it doesn't differ a lot physiology but genetically it does and they've been isolated above this waterfall in the amazon and i think you're right that you know they depend on the health of these rivers and mm-hmm. these, this ecosystem the other river dolphins in mainly india so the ganges river the indies river there's some some river dolphins Again, ones that either go brackish water, which brackish water is both it's kind a of, mixture. A mixture is that fresh water, you know, bleeds into the ocean, mm-hmm. does that, and then obviously the Yangtze River dolphin was in China, but is no longer in existence. All right. Okay. Evolution. I Here see, we go. I see that smile on your face. <laughs> so it was cool, though. It was like it's inter- like I, I have to admit, yeah. I didn't dive too much into evolution because I know that that's your baby. Yeah. Um, but the little bit that I did dive into, yeah. I I knew there was a reason that my childhood fantasy <laughs> was to work with dolphins. Yeah. Who wasn't, you know, yeah. who didn't want to either be a dolphin trainer right, right. or uh, um, a marine biologist right, right. and study these guys? Uh, and then, of, of course, I ended up. Going more towards hoofstock, uh, ungulates, um, horses, zebras, things with hoofs and horns and whatnot. But looking at the evolution of the dolphins, yeah. it seems that I might just like that family in general. More, yeah, it's yeah, I know, and, and I wonder why. Because you texted <laughs> me, you're like, "Oh my god, did you know dolphins were related to <laughs> to hippos, hippos, and, like, yes, and cows, and goats." I was like, I'm like, oh, I was saving that to surprise you. Well, and of course, you know, I tell this to my husband. He's like, oh, I knew that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, he, he's a, he's a, he's a smart dork. dude. He's a greater dork than we are. Yeah, for sure. Uh, in, in a good way. In a yeah. good way. We love John. The the cetacean evolution. You know, mm-hmm. there's not a lot known specifically. You know, looking into this, it's it's difficult to study because again, the marine mammals. A lot of their bones and stuff are in deep oceans. So yeah. You're not going to find them unlike the, the, the land, right? But they do find them on beaches and mm-hmm. some parts of where we used to be underwater, like say here in Florida. Mm-hmm. We used to be underwater a long time ago. 
the so they've done some a lot of stuff of I, I would say specifically the porpoises are more related to narwhals and belugas. Okay. Which kind of makes sense, right? Yeah. They're kind of, you know, those colder and and then obviously oceanic oceanic dolphins. Right. So they're they're pretty related. You really gotta kinda go out fifteen 10, 15 million years ago where the river dolphins split off. And then they're kind of Wow, was that long ago? Yeah. So about 10, 15 million years ago as as the oceans receded uh, off the land mass. Now, if we go way back where this all began, again, that big, huge, after the the fifth mass mass extinction, pretty similar 45, 50 million years ago, big explosion. And basically you said an ungulate, a two-toed, so our cows, our camels, those types of animals, giraffes, one of them decided to go swimming one day and said, hey, this looks fun. And they went in the water. And they liked it. And they liked it and they stayed. And they were successful yes. there. And they, so over 50 well, million years. Well, or if you think of like a hippo, a hippo yeah. kind of is. In between. Right. Semi-aquatic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a mammal, right? So mm-hmm. it's a mammal that, mm-hmm. that likes land, that comes out of land, but basically spends most of their life in water. Mm-hmm. And that's where they want to be. This all happened in Asia around India. So that's kind of where these guys arose. Okay. So the cetaceans, long time ago. And again, the reason we can link it back to these even-toed ungulates, DNA, you know, our favorite thing, DNA, oh. tells a story. We Maternal mitochondria. Yeah, that's that's what we've done. Now let's fast forward to today. The local people are wanting to help save these guys right. uh, for the most part and want are doing a lot of ecotourism mm-hmm. and learning that they can, you know, that's a good way for them to generate income, mm-hmm. but then also to help save these species. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, there was a recent op-ed piece out of New York times that has some kind of a title along the lines of I don't know, going to the Amazon. If you go to the Amazon, don't punch a dolphin, right. river dolphin. Right. And basically the brief, the brief history of that goes into the kind of conflict of ecotourism interacting too much with the wildlife. Right, right. And these tour guides offering, you know, for extra tips, you can, you know, feed the dolphins or maybe touch them or ride mm-hmm. them and things like that, which... It's almost like here in Florida, too, with the manatees. It's sure. It's a big deal that mm-hmm. you cannot touch the manatees. And we do have, you know, 45 minutes away, you know, Crystal River. Where have we you live. gone? I, I've we've, gone. We've paddled awesome. by them. Okay. And I actually saw uh, a cow and a calf like swim cool. by us. Oh, yeah. We did the snorkeling, but absolutely no touching. No touching. Yeah. You just kind of float around. Mm-hmm. And, and they only allow a certain amount of people in um, per day. Time, and they right. only amount, allow a certain amount of licensed operators that mm-hmm. are, I mean, you have to watch a video. Mm-hmm. They're, let alone pay a lot of money. Right. Um, they're pretty serious about it. And that just goes to show that uh, we have a lot of re- more regulations and probably been doing the ecotourism thing maybe for longer, longer right. you know. And so I think it's one of these things I, I you know, I have full belief that this was probably, you know, there's rare incidents of people exploiting animals. Mm-hmm. And, um, but that if you are ever a tourist, on a, you know, in a foreign country or even here in the United States, mm-hmm. you know, respect the rules, respect right. the wildlife. And the, the journalist that was writing this piece said that, you know, her favorite part of her Amazonian tour was actually just being in a canoe mm-hmm. and paddling down it with a with a tour guide, right. like not touch, not nature, feeding right. the animals. Because once again, if we feed the feeding these dolphins, then they become dependent on that mm-hmm. food, and it uh, it's a whole trickle down effect of other problems right. of a lot of un they've noticed a lot of unnatural behaviors mm-hmm. with these dolphins as far as aggression and things, mm-hmm. which normally they're extremely social animals mm-hmm. except for maybe during breeding. So I think. You know, our future with them is that we, as far as with ecotourism, is we want to keep working with them, mm-hmm. but we got to make sure that we're not exploiting them right. too. These, both these species are, it's amazing to, you know, and, and I guess this is what's fun about, I guess, doing this podcast is we get to learn more and, and diversify. Because I, I, in the last few episodes, we talked about you know how much you and I love land. Animals. I feel like a little kid again. I'm learning yeah. so much. I, I mean, know. not to say that I'm not learning anything in my PhD, but it's right. a very strict, narrow focus. Focus, right? This so, is we're really broadening and you know thinking about like you said being a being a kid like oh I want to be a dolphin trainer, marine biologist because I was at you know grew up near Scripps Institute oh, in La Jolla, very famous place, right? And it's like oh the oceans are amazing, and I want to study the oceans, and then oh the zoos. Zoology is amazing. I want to go study animals in the wild. And, oh, I love medicine, animal medicine, and I want to study this. So, 
least we get to do yeah, a little bit of this and, exactly. and spread the knowledge right. you know, to, to other uh, animal lovers out there. The life cycle of these species are, are, is pretty interesting. The vaquita, again, we don't know a ton of them because... Sure, they're only in the wild mm, and there's not many of them left. Right. But they do estimate they can live to maybe 20, 25 years in, in, in the wild. Some porpoise species live like 12, 13 years. Oh, not very long. Yeah, okay. not very long. You, you would think longer because you hear about whales like... I think they have found a whale with like a harpoon from like the 1800s. Wow. Still stuck in them. Wow. Like, or you think of turtles. Right. Like, hundred and something years that mm-hmm. it was pretty, pretty old. River dolphins, again, the data isn't clear, but they think Amazon ones roughly 15 years, even though they've had some in captivity that can live to be 30. Okay. And then the data I saw on the Ganges or the Chinese river dolphins was about 25 to 30 years that they that they live. So, you know, pretty good lives. Long lives. Now, the physical differences is easy to look at, mm-hmm. and that's easy to uh, talk about. Now, the vaquita, what's really cool about them is, and I even saw, read a paper that talked about them being like small children. They're just small. They're right. very small. Well, and that's why I think they get caught in the gill nets of mm-hmm. these... Uh, fish. The, of the fish. Right. And they can get as long as five feet, but only weigh about 120 pounds. Okay. So about you. But you're, you are you're very taller. flattering. Yeah, you're, yes, you're that taller is than ex- five feet, though. <laughs> Whatever. I was just listening to one twenty. <laughs> Fifty-five kilograms, AD. <laughs> now, this, the, this is why I work with him, folks. Yeah, yeah. Flatter, he says flatter. on air that I weigh one hundred twenty pounds. I always have what a, a nice a carrot in front of my grad students' yeah. faces to, to get them to graduate. <laughs> now, lar- now, other porpoises are bigger. They're about sure. my height, six and a half feet, or I'm six five. So kind of what we think of a dolphin right, size. Right, two meters long, and then they can weigh like double the weight, like two sixty-five, which I don't weigh that much. But um, 118 kilograms. The vaquita has dark rings around its eyes. So they're really cool looking. And again, we'll put pictures on the show notes. They're cute. They are very cute. They're they're really cool. What I love about ocean animals too is, you know, sharks and and penguins. I I Mm -hmm. guess penguins is a good one to look at. And same thing with the the vaquita is their tops are dark. Mm -hmm. Their bottoms are light. Mm Mm-hmm. Underside, and so really, that's a strat. They've evolved to have these because prey, when they look up, you know, and the bright uh, light and stuff of the ocean, they can't see a predator. Or when they look down, it's dark mm-hmm. and they can't see a predator. So it's kind of cool. You see a lot of these species, even birds. Evolution is just pretty genius. It is. It is. It's, it's so really cool. cool. So they are, they, and they have like a lighter gray uh, side. Now, the river dolphins, I'm going to sing the song, U-G-L-Y. What? <laughs> no alibi. They're ugly. They are so hideous looking. <laughs> I mean, I think I you're not looking at them with the same light that I am. They are they have pink in color. Maybe I'm not even a girly girl, so I'm not usually blinded by pink things. But it's so unique in their color, pinkish gray. They are very gray. unique. They're very unique. And I think that's really beautiful, especially the Amazon is, or a lot of the rivers in the Amazon are, you know, brown, dark right. brown in color. So here's this this beautiful, you know, pink highlights I coming know. through the water. I shouldn't call any animal ugly because I love them all. But yeah, and I have to, I, I have to. Um, I am, of course, biased. We're all biased. Uh, I had the, the great chance to see one in the wild. Yeah. And I was, I didn't feed it and I wasn't close to it. Um, it, and it just kind of like surfaced and mm-hmm. did not even a jump, more of just a like probably yeah, breach. a yeah. breach. And, but to see that color, you know, we're out there looking for other things too, mm-hmm. but to see that was just, it's one of those moments. Yeah. You're like, Anybody wow. who's been, yeah, like yeah. whale watching or dolphin mm-hmm. wa- watching and, there's the cool thing about them is they're ancient. So if you yes. want to know what like an ancient animal looks like, this is one that you can point to and say, this is what ancient mammals looked like. Mm-hmm. Cause again, like scientists have said, this is an unnatural species. They shouldn't be here, but they are. You're right. The, the Amazon ones are pink and that's due to their skin. When they're young, they're dark gray. Mm-hmm. Then they get lighter as they age, and then the adults are pink. And they think that the in the Amazon's because of constant abrasions, so ah, they lose okay. some of those top layers of skin. Interesting. So that's why they're more pink. Don't see that coloration as much in the Ganges mm-hmm. uh, and the Asian the species. Right. You don't see that as much. They're a little pink, but not not as much as the Amazon. The Amazon pink river dolphins, also called the boto, which I think you yeah. you talked about, they're pig eyed. So that's why I think they're kind of obscure. They have these really tiny eyes. Right. And, uh, which they really don't need it, right? Right. They don't. I mean, they're 
they're not blind, but they have really poor vision. Right, right. So it's like which I mean, they don't need much vision because the water's so murky anyway. Right. So it's not like they're really seeing. So they didn't involve mm-hmm. these large eyes mm-hmm. that to to see because they don't need it. They really echolocate and do other things. Now, what's also interesting is the males are bigger than the females, which yeah. I read was rare in cetaceans. It is sexual dimorphism, right. and that's you know looking at the sexes next to each other, you can tell them apart. Males are bigger, females are smaller, right. and yeah, in a lot of the other cetaceans, we don't see that. Right? Yeah. So it's crazy. I've... Now, what's also really cool about these guys is their their fins are more like paddles mm-hmm. compared to other dolphins, and they really are flexible. Because their vertebrae aren't as fixed. Yeah, their necks. They can right. move, they can move their necks a lot more left more, and right. Right. They, and they can turn in tighter circles. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the dolphins or porpoises in, in the ocean, their vertebrae are fixed where mm-hmm. they, they're not as flexible. But these river dolphins really can move and bend around. Just you think about it, you know, it's such a tighter environment. Sure. And when the and when the rivers flood and they're probably going mm-hmm. into the floodplains where mm-hmm. there's trees and stuff, they have to bend around. Right. And use that long snout. Uh, to find food, find food. The again, the the Ganges, not a lot of difference. They're a little bit smaller. Their beaks, you know, I guess both beaks are kind of long and toothy, is, is how you would uh, do that. And not not a whole big difference in their physiology. Right. So, Chris, that kind of ties nicely into the next segment of river dolphin behavior. Mm-hmm. And we touched on the fact that they have poor vision. And they, like you said, they rely on echolocation or a sonar system to maneuver. But they do have really well-developed hearing for both air and water. Oh, yeah. Which is, you know, pretty incredible because I know, like, when I go underwater, I can barely hear. And interestingly enough, the the Asian river dolphins, some of them tend to swim on their side Hmm. uh, with a flipper dragging along the bottom. Wow. And, of course, researchers don't know a lot about these guys, uh, but they think that it might help them hunt and then also help them, you know, maneuver and not bump into things. Because mm-hmm. they'll, of course, they, dolphins and porpoises breathe air, they're mammals, mm-hmm. so they have to surface and get air. And so they go back to their normal, mm-hmm. the normal way that we think about swimming, them, yeah. mm-hmm, swimming to get the air, but then they come back down to their side and drag that side flipper. So once again, just different evolutionary behaviors mm-hmm. to help them navigate their environment. Right, right. And they can, you know, they don't move as quick as dolphins and porpoises. They one of the Asian species has been recorded traveling about fourteen miles per mm-hmm. hour, or about how many kilometers? Oh, jeez, don't even. <laughs> it's too early. I'll just yeah, give the answer. Yeah. <laughs> about twenty-three yeah. kilometers per hour. It's like double it. But... So, uh, but I think what should really be highlighted, which, which I'm super excited to talk about in the dolphin behavior Mm -hmm. section of this podcast is just in general uh, a little bit about dolphin and porpoise intelligence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like we said earlier with both the vaquita and the river dolphin, especially the vaquita, there's not a lot we know because they haven't really been studied. And let's hopefully they live long enough so we can learn that they're very intelligent and learn more about them. And the river dolphin's been a little bit more studied. In fact, uh, one of the Asian species has been compared to the intelligence of a gorilla. Right. Right. And so, so they're up there with primates. Oh yeah! In yeah. fact, there's um, some scientists out there, and there's actually a recent conference of the American Association of Advancement of Science, mm-hmm. held by the publisher of Science, mm-hmm. which Science Chris Science. and I know would be an amazing, you know, yeah. place to uh, publish our to work, publish yeah. our work. Right. It's it's the creme de la creme in science. But anyways, these guys all and girls all get together. And one of the topics was actually about are dolphins as smart as people? Mm-hmm. And if they are, perhaps we should be treating them a little bit better. Right. So, them, you yeah. know, maybe the scientist that you were speaking at or of earlier in the podcast that said we didn't have a moral obligation to save species from this mass extinction, he probably would have benefited from, you know, going to this conference right. and hearing what these other scientists were saying, that they're probably the Earth's second smartest creature. Right. We don't have as much data of them as we do about uh, perhaps like great apes and and whatnot because they're a little harder to study. They're harder to keep in captivity and whatnot. But what we do know is a lot from like the bottlenose dolphin. Mm -hmm. That's flipper. That's the typical Mm -hmm. one that we all think of. But that they have – their brain's actually bigger than ours and they have a brain to body weight ratio um, of great apes but a little bit smaller than mm-hmm. humans. Mm-hmm. So one scientist said that they're the second most encephalized being on the planet. Right. So biggest brain for body. And, you know, they've been reported to recognize themselves in a mirror mm-hmm. or self-awareness. 
They can understand complex gestures and or sentences Mm -hmm. from humans during training. They can learn to poke a keyboard underwater (laughs) to request toys, which I have a... um, (laughs) A 14-month at home, right. at home, and Zachary, and that's the level he's at right he's now. He's at right now. And yeah. so, I mean, if you if you really if you really sit and you know sit and think, think on that it, one right. for a minute, that these are these animals are thinking, feeling, right. and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're more worthy of being saved than let's just say a you know a turtle or something. Right, right. And so their intelligence as far as what we know is self-awareness and um, some scientists have described them as rational mm-hmm. as far as their decision-making. But we can even just look to their social structure too and see that it's also very advanced, which is can be a sign of intelligence. Mm-hmm. For instance, females have been – females in a pod you are usually t- spotted together and they've been seen assisting with birth. And then also um, females can be babysitters and helping rear the dolphins. And one of the best ways a female dolphin can learn how to take care of a calf is to be in that setting. Right. And now on the flip side of it, the males become pair bonded. Mm -hmm. Okay. And this is a really cool story that was just reported, Mm -hmm. I don't know, a few months ago. So males pair bonded, they live in their own pods. There was a study of them off the coast of Australia and I think of regular dolphins. Mm -hmm. But – that one pod colluded with another pod, okay, different, <laughs> right, non, right. non-related pod, to invade and or attack a third pod <laughs> in order to steal food resources and um, and females for wow. breeding. Wow. Yeah. And this has only been reported in um, chimpanzees right. as far as exhibiting, quote-unquote, um, I hate to use the word warfare, right. but as far as um, – that kind of collusion, that kind of deep thinking, that right for forward, species, right yeah. forward thinking, right. Uh, plotting, strategizing, strategizing. Yeah. So, and this is you know once again, wow. this was just recently reported, right. and so because we're getting a little bit better with technologies mm-hmm. as far as radio calling and, track and, them, yeah. and tracking and understanding their behavior, and so I think if we have the ability to keep studying these guys, I think we're just, they're just going to keep blowing our mind. They might take us over. Yeah. (laughs) We could only be so lucky. You know, it's like, you know, if anybody gets anything on this podcast, it's animals aren't just stupid, Mm -hmm. instinctual animals. No. And you know, not at all. Complex brain function. Right. And so, you know, now, so switching gears and now looking at like the mother calf relationship. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm obviously biased. I'm a mom, but they, uh, you know, the mothers, they're mothering. They, they help teach the babies have to learn how to echolocate. Mm-hmm. They're not just necessarily born with it. So mm-hmm. they learn this from the, the mother. And so not only the mother, but the other females in the pod will help kind of steer the baby out of trouble mm-hmm. until it gets better with echolocating. And they'll also, um, each female, this is great, Chris. Mm-hmm. It's been documented that females have different mothering styles. Hmm. Okay. Some are very protective. Yeah. While some are more relaxed in letting their calves explore, right. which is just hilarious to me, or not hilarious, but it's so I can relate so much right. to this in the mothering community because I'm on all these mom, mom face, yeah, there. these mom social Facebook groups and whatnot. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's the helicopter mom yeah, and the yeah. and the tiger mom and, and the, the bear mom, and yeah, yeah, all yeah, these, yeah. you know, all these goofy titles, but. It goes to show that there's some independent thinking there mm-hmm. or they're learning from their own mom or mm-hmm. maybe they're more experienced. So, you know, by the time you get a second and third kid, you just like let whatever. Them do whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think it's really fascinating to show, you know, that they're they're not they're not stupid. They're right. they're they're thinking beings and they're planning and they're strategizing on how, you know, to quote unquote be a good mom. Right, right. And um No, and it's just yeah, I mean the animal world and the behavior. I know that's your your jam, right? Mm-hmm. Evolution and genetics and stuff like that. But for you, when you talk behavior, you just light up. And when you look at these other species and you learn on how their social bonds and and even an aquatic species mm-hmm. is very very difficult to study, and you find this stuff out, it just blows you away, right? Because a hundred years ago. You know, you go in and ask scientists and, you know, even go back to, say, Darwin in the 1800s, you know, animals are dumb. Right. Animals are here for our use. Animals are just, they're pretty to look at and for us to use and eat. They don't think because they don't build time, not time machines, mm-hmm. they don't build flying machines and, you know. Uh, it would like be that. cool if yeah. they did. <laughs> even if we built a time machine, right? Um, 
but you know they haven't been to the moon or anything right. like that. And, and well, and I think yeah. you know just on their behalf too is so river dolphin. Getting back a little bit to river dolphins, um, they use a series of clicks and pulses mm-hmm. to vocalize mm-hmm. to communicate with each other, and the scientists are. In the process, not with river dolphins, but with bottlenose mm-hmm. dolphins, of trying to kind of decipher. Yeah, decipher. Mm-hmm. There's a debate. You know, do they have a language or don't they? Mm-hmm. And some scientists say they do have a language, and some say, oh, by our technical definitions, they don't, right. and they don't form sentences. But they they definitely use their different clicks and their different calls to communicate, me- communicate right. to mean potentially different things. And then, interestingly enough, different pods mm-hmm. have different vocalizations. It's almost dialects. Mm-hmm. And then different individuals have different mm-hmm. ones that evolve through their lifetime. There you go. Here's a cool study. Why don't we record the Amazon river dolphin to- speech, mm-hmm. take it over to India and play it and see what happens. Yeah, see if they understand yeah, it. So that'd be a or cool how they, study, if they yeah. react to it. Yeah, um, it'd be a cool study. Yeah. Right. And like, what language is this? <laughs> yeah. And so I think it's... There's just so much. I mean, there's just so much we have to learn. Right. I think that'll help kind of settle the debate too of how intelligent these right. these animals are. And so, with these clicks and these other vocalization or whistles, they're called. Mm-hmm. They also have a lot of non-vocal communications too. So they do things like tail slaps, right. flipper slaps, blowhole noises, bubbles, which I think is just yeah. that visual is super cute. Jaw claps and breaches. As, as other ways to communicate to communicate right. with their their buddies, and if you'll bear with me here, just because it's kind of my new fun thing that yeah. I love to do. No, I love it. Um, this is a sound of a bottlenose dolphin above the water, okay. right? Because remember, they're going to have some above water communication, right. like if you think of flipper mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. and then they're going to have Under, underwater. the underwater. Right. So this is an above um, an above vocalization. And then now you can. <laughs> I won't stop. And now, in contrast, this is going to be maybe a little bit muddied because it's underwater sounds. But this is a dolphin click and whistle. So you can hear the clicks. They're almost like it's a Morse code. Yeah. Morse code. And there are some of the, the high whistle. the whistle SOS send more fish mm-hmm. SOS send more fish. <laughs> so they they definitely have a lot of things to say and they definitely communicate with each other. I think it's more just going to be over time us learning exactly what that means. Right, right, and kind of deciphering them. The you know then just quickly kind of going into echolocation and how that is used. It's really cool to to read about their sonar and that's what mm-hmm. basically they're doing is they send out these the, those noises. Mm-hmm. And then they bounce back. So they have their biology through their nose and their that lo- large bulbous forehead, right? They right send there's a specialized out, organ in there, right? right? So they send out the clicks and then it comes back and they feel it in their jaws. Mm-hmm. And then that helps them echolocate mm-hmm. and find fish and things that they want to eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Whales do this, right? Whales do that for hunting. Now, look, just looking at dietary, I mean, pretty sim- simple with the diets of the vaquitas, in the marine environment, eating fish, some crustaceans, octopus, and then squid. Squid's a big thing in, okay. in the Gulf of California. Mm-hmm. And interesting, they eat about 10% of their body weight per day. So about 10 to 15 pounds, depending okay. on how big it is, which is which is a lot. Seafood, yeah. Same thing as river dolphins eat about that per day. But being that they're in rivers, you know, they're more isolated to fish, some crabs. Some catfish, right? I read about. And they even, even seen them eating small turtles. Wow. So they, they could eat that. And I bet you they eat. Some other things that we've never seen before. Maybe like eat some of those snakes down there. <laughs> <laughs> they train them for that. Yeah. Um, so again, what was interesting too is they have little hairs on their beaks. Right. And that's one of the things that help uh, all mammals have to have hair. Right. Whiskers. That's one of the yeah, classification yeah. things. Right. And so, yeah, a lot of them are born with whiskers and they fall off. Mm-hmm. But the river dolphins keep them? Keep them, right, to help them feel. Wow. Right? Feel mm-hmm. the river bottoms and feeling for those fish and, and crabs and stuff. So another thing kind of that that goes back to their intelligence is they're cooperative hunters. Right. So they hunt as a pod. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, planning, strategizing. Hey, you Teamwork. go over here. Right, right. And that kind of reminds me of like seeing those videos of, say, killer whales that breach themselves on mm-hmm. beaches. I remember some of the – I think it's down in Argentina where they filmed a lot of this or Chile. 
and the mom was showing the baby how to hunt mm-hmm. and how what channels she uses. And yeah, I mean, it's just, they're so smart. Mm-hmm. They're so smart. So doing some of that. Yeah. So basically, I mean, diet's pretty easy. You right. Know, they, they eat fish, which you would think. Right. They're right? carnivores. Yeah, and other, other things in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Or pescatarians or yeah, pescivores. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so how do they, how do they make more baby dolphins? Ah, well, this is very interesting. Well, first of all, they can't make baby dolphins. Males usually become about sexually mature between 8 to 12 years. Wow, that's a long time. So when we talk about life cycles Mm -hmm. and also um, increasing sustainable populations, they only give birth to one calf at a time. Mm -hmm. So, and then if they're not, and if that calf doesn't become sexually mature, about 8 to 12 in a male and about 5 to 10 in a female. It's a long So it's interval. a while. Yeah, it's, it's a long it's interval. A, it's a long interval right. before they can turn around and be reproductive again. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So and that's, a good, that's a good segue into conservation with the vaquita because mm-hmm. that's really what we wanted to talk about yes. today. And that's what kind of spurred this whole podcast. Mm-hmm. There are 30 left. Yes. Very controversial right now what's going on with them because a few aspects. One is... Being that it's we can't keep porpoises in captivity, which has been very difficult. It's just been yeah, it hasn't been as successful right. as and then, the dolphins. So that's been a worry. So uh, I've read some quotes and some papers talking about don't mess with them. Mm-hmm. Just just keep doing what the Mexican government's doing and hope they survive. So there's some views there. Like I said, debate in science, and that's what we kind of mm-hmm. opened with debate in science. Well, and Chris, that's what they that's what they had been doing right. for the past five years. But and it just, still hasn't helped. And, and it hasn't still, helped. Yeah. The population is basically in the in. From what they can tell, the right. counts in um, two, six, 2016 alone um, were cut in half. So right. there was about sixty. Now there's about thirty. Right. Basically, earlier this year in 2017, the Mexican government, bless their hearts, um, working you know with international mm-hmm. groups, said, you know, we've got to do something. Right. And we got to do something drastic. And we don't know if it's the right answer, but we know what we've been doing the last five years. Hasn't worked. Has not worked. So that's a good answer. Yeah. So that's good. That's good. And uh, so what they've done is there's um, currently a proposal for a captive breeding program, Mm -hmm. which we know it's hard to keep porpoises in captivity, but a lot of our um, our. Uh, nationally recognized aquariums, you know, have scientists studying mm-hmm. these things, and, we, and they've gotten much better at it. So right now, the goal is to keep some in the wild, but also to um, to capture mm-hmm. some and move them to a captive setting where they can be uh, safe. Right. And interestingly enough, there's a proposal right now that this hasn't been done yet, but mm-hmm. there's a proposal to use actually trained yeah. U.S. Navy dolphins yeah, to, to, to locate them. them. Right. And then, of course, the ones that are kept. In the wild would be, you know, uh, monitored via like um, satellite tag mm-hmm. locators mm-hmm. and whatnot. Uh, and the really interesting thing, you know, not only is not only is the the Mexican government and international kind of uh, marine mm-hmm. mammal community behind this, but I uh, I re fell in love with one of my old crushes, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> Is a big crushes. yeah. Poor John, sorry. Uh, no, <laughs> hey, conservation crushes are okay in our family because he does a lot of good work. He does stuff for rhinos. Yeah, he does yeah. stuff for the environment right, and right. Africa he does. and he does. water. He does. He's, I mean, he's. A, we need more he's, of that. Exactly. You're, if you're a celebrity, hey, all you celebrities out there, use it. If you, yeah, whether you're an athlete or a singer yeah. or an actor, people worship you. Show them how to give back right. to your community, right. and I would encourage you to be passionate about animals and right. wildlife. But if you're not, be passionate about another good cause. Right. There's tons right. of them out right. there, right? right? And get people excited. Get you know, get people off the couch and off the off the social media right. and, and doing stuff. Anyways, that's my high horse for the minute. So Leonardo DiCaprio, that little cute guy, is um, is is also backing this. But the biggest backer of them all is the uh, Association of Zoos and Aquarium, AZA, yeah. or AZA, and they have so far pledged. Uh, our so far has donated over a million. I think it's right. up to like one point two million dollars right. to helping to conserve this species and working with the Mexican government addressing the conservation right. challenges. And then also they're going to help be this call to action and do whatever the Mexican government right. wants them to do as far as taking in um, some, yeah, and of, it's, some of these vaquitas to hopefully hopefully saving their and population. Part of my argument too. On why we should do this, and, and when they, we say captive environment, they're going to be in 
large pens in the Gulf. Correct. So they're not going into a tank no. in, inland. They no, are, no, no. They're using right. research-based ways to help so try to figure out the best it's way. It's not wild, but they're in pens. Right. That are there to protect them. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing, I re- think the other reason a lot of um, probably the Mexican government was, of course, partnering with AZA is AZA has a history of doing this with other species mm-hmm. in peril. The California condor, mm-hmm. the gold lion tamarin out of mm-hmm. Brazil, the black-footed ferret mm-hmm. in Montana. So they have the expertise. And is it going to be perfect? No. no. But if we go another year without doing anything there's going to be there's going to be 10 yeah, and then they're and then they're going to be in the same the fish, you know yeah. within 2 years they're going to be in the same plight as northern whites exactly right, yeah. so i applaud EZA yeah. and yeah. um and that kind of leads into the one of my conservation organizations of the week right if you have interest in helping the vaquita out you can go to let's see uh, aza.org/safe that's s a f e Vaquita conservation. Right. Safe stands for saving animals from extinction, and there you can you can obviously become a member, and uh, you could donate money, or right. even just like I said, even just becoming a member, you can get right. newsletters and right. learn more about what they're doing. They're very transparent with their action plans, mm-hmm. and so you can see. Uh, I last I heard they were working on um, starting this in the fall. Of of 2017. Mm-hmm. So right now, right now so hopefully, ready, yeah. hopefully they're out there on boats right now with Looking their train with how cool is that with their trained, you know, Navy dolphins, dolphins yeah. and, um, and helping these vaquitas out. And that's yeah. just a cool, cool feel good story. Yeah. And, they, and, and we'll put this in the show notes too. the links mm-hmm. of, of all these. Yeah. And my, so. my second organization of the week goes back to the, the, uh, river dolphin, right. which we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier to, uh, in this episode, and a really cool organization for that is called the U.S. Whale Organization. You can go to us.whales.org slash river dolphins. And there you can actually adopt a river dolphin mm-hmm, or donate. And this is a really cool group that works with a lot of NGOs, so non-governmental groups in South America, especially mm-hmm. for the river dolphins. And they hold workshops and they're working to stop illegal hunting, mm-hmm. which we mentioned. Mm-hmm. And they also do a lot of on-the-ground work with uh, local indigenous adults and children. And they're opening wildlife education centers oh, through, wow. throughout rural Am- Amazonia. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, you know, if you, yeah. I mean, the only way to, to save any species is to educate people. Right. And so if you start with the young people that matters the yeah. most to, yeah. there's your, right. that's your only hope. Right. So I really applaud both of those organizations this week. Yeah, and maybe for Christmas you can get me a... A river dolphin. I'm gonna adopt stuffy or something. Dear family and friends out there, I, you will all be getting a river dolphin adoption. Absolutely, that's a great idea, though. I mean, seriously, is, like, who wants another sock or spatula that's or you know toy that they're not gonna live exactly. uh, use? My conservation tip of the week mm-hmm. is water conservation, and I know yeah. I've kind of talked a little bit about this about you know turning off the sink when you're not using it, brushing your teeth, you mm-hmm. know, turn it on and off. And I know we're kind of lazy and we just take it for granted. I have made a a concerted effort to do that when I'm washing dishes or like I said, if enough of us make an impact and conserve water, mm-hmm. we will can reduce, you know, by b- millions of gallons of water each, each year. Absolutely. And deal less with pollution, things going into, you know, sewer systems, things like that. And then also drawing away from our natural resources. Mm. So, you know, me, myself, you know, how many gallons of water a week do I save? I don't know. But if, if, most of us do it. Thousands of us do sure, it. Sure, and, and it all starts at home. I have an mm-hmm. almost four-year-old at home that mimics everything we do. Mm-hmm. So he knows when he brushes his teeth, he shuts off the water. Water, right? That's not. Right. It's not even a thing. And and so the more you, the more it becomes ingrained in right. your, you know, natural, daily life. Yeah, right. The one I'm trying to work with him is sometimes he'll just go tinkle in the potty, yeah. and I'm like, you don't need to flush that one. But of course, at school, <laughs> if it's yellow, let it mellow. Is that the? Yeah, my husband and I are totally hippies. We're like, whatever, you know. We barely flush. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, but I think at school, of course, they right. <laughs> they, yeah, they yeah. flush keep there. So I got to yeah. keep the same message going. Yeah. But you know, little things like that is there's there's it's important because mm-hmm. I think water is going to be when we talk about uh, res- resources, resources in the future. Natural water, yeah. That'll be that'll cause. So maybe skip a shower. I, I can't. I, I it's hard for me not to shower every day. But for some of you, maybe or take a quick shower one day a week. Right. Late, Something oh, little. Some little things that we can. Well, do. Well, ladies too. I know yeah. we. You know, 
we love to have our good looking hair, but honestly, the less you shampoo your hair, the better it yeah, ends the up oils, looking. The natural mm-hmm. oils and and yeah. so, yeah, I definitely don't have a problem with skipping showers. Those, <laughs> those My that, wife doesn't either. Those that know me the best. Yeah, There's such a pain in the keister. Yeah, were we talking oh, about the geez. MHC and smells last week? Yeah, yeah. The uh, the other thing is, you know, use re- reusable water bottles. Try your best to stop buying plastic water. That's such a, a scam. Dollar, it is two dollars for a we bottle of water. The, Chris and I grew up in the '70s and '80s. Okay, yeah. I was a late '70s, yeah. so I mostly grew up in the '80s. Uh, but we didn't have bottled yeah. water. Yeah, we, we didn't, didn't have pay pla- for water. Right? We didn't have plastic grocery bags. No, and if life was totally fine. Yeah, we were. It's probably better. Yeah, it probably was. So you know, there you go. Those your tips of the week. We're trying to. You know, and I think that has an influence on the oceans, right? Absolutely. All the, the garbage that's being dumped in the oceans. Mm-hmm. So it's every every something we can all do with that. Now, final call for action. If you know somebody that loves animals, please share this podcast with them. Ask them to subscribe. Ask them to listen, learn, share. That's Comments, our motto. Right? critique. We, yeah, we want feedback. Request but also, animals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We, you can go to our Patreon account, check that out. But please, if you know anybody, just say, hey, check out this podcast. We need to develop this community. We need to spread the word and we need to network together. Yeah, let us do that. We'll do the, the groundwork right. for you. Right, right. So, um, again, thank you for listening. Thank you, everyone. Listen, learn, share. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. 